0: On chapter 5, let's, let's pick it up here. We're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, last week, as, you know, as Uncle Ken mentioned, and for those of you that want to call him Uncle Ken, I'm sure you can call him Uncle Ken and he'll be fine with that. Uh, but we talked about fighting, and that's the whole purpose. As a Christian, as a believer, we are called to fight. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into great depths in that, but I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, weren't able to catch it, we have it on podcast, on our live stream, because we took some time and learned how to fight. And so at the same time, we raised a hallelujah. Why? Because your voice is your address in the Spirit. If you don't lift your voice in praise and what you're believing God for, God can't get it to you. Your voice is basically, it's Spirit-activated. It's how you activate what God has already done for you in my life. And so we spent some time just rejoicing, and we took care and took control over a few things that maybe we've been fighting and dealing with. So again, go into that. Uh, This morning, I want to just share a few things with you. We've talked so much about grace. We've talked a little bit here on faith. And this morning, we're going to dive a little bit deeper uh, into faith and going to answer a couple of questions. Because again, how many know this relationship we have with God, it's a relationship of grace and faith. So it's the promises of God, just kind of, Ken just laid it out very clearly for us. It's the grace of God, his promise, everything he's provided for us, it's there, but you tap into it by faith, complete trust in who he is and what he said that he would do. So in First John chapter 5, let's turn there for a moment. And if you got your Bible, I would really encourage you just to look in your own Bible. There's something again about seeing it on pages, or if you got a phone, use that or something. We'll have it on the screen for you. But First John chapter 5 verse 1 it says this everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God and everyone who loves God or sorry loves the father loves his children too verse 2 it says we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments and his commandments or sorry loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome verse 4 Luke says this it says every child of God everybody say every Every child of God, what do they do? They defeat this evil world, defeats it. And we achieve this victory or the tool we use to enforce this victory is what? Our faith. Okay. I really want you to see this because this is going to be a a deal breaker for a lot of people this morning. We're going to get something today. That's when we've released our faith as a team that we prayed you throughout the week is we're going to start seeing some things because it's time for things that you've been believing God for years that we start having some suddenlies in our congregation. Right? We need the witness of victory in our life. Right? Then he goes on to say in verse 5, and again, just in case you didn't get it, just in case you didn't understand verse 4, he goes and says it again, and who can win this battle against the world? What does it say? Only those who who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, before we go into this, I want to look again. Verse 1, go to verse 1 again. But you and I, we are, if you're a Christian, another, people, another word that people use for it is, I am a believer. What do believers do? We believe. This is our call. This is who we are. If you are a believer, what are you known for then? Believing. Now, notice, look at this. It says, everyone who believes That Jesus is the Christ has become. Notice what you believe, you eventually become. Whatever you're believing, you eventually will become. So this is right here, very clean and simple. So obviously, before our believing, we were not children of God. But just because you believed in Jesus, at that moment, what happened? You became a what? A child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. Now, if you look in 1 John 3 verse 1, it says, this is the greatest call that you and I have. See, it says, he, see how great the love God has for us that he calls us his children. Now, why is that so important? Why is that so vital? Because it's only the children of God that can defeat this evil world. Again, we'll go to verse 4 and 5 again. Let's go here for a sec. Verse 4, it says, for every what? Child of God. What do they do? They defeat. I hope somebody gets a little bit excited this morning they defeat this evil world and we achieve. Now here's the thing. He gives us a tool to defeat this evil world. Then verse five again. Now, just in case who can win this battle against the world, the, those that don't know Jesus. No, they are hurting. They are struggling. So who are those that can defeat this evil world? Only those that believe believe what? That believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So there's something about you believing that Jesus is the Son of God that completely separates you from the losers. Listen, you were born into this world a loser, but Jesus said you must be born again. What happens when you get born again? You become a victor. (laughs) Yay. I'm a winner. No, are you kidding me? I hate losing. Anybody enjoy losing? I don't care what it is, chess, FIFA, game. it doesn't matter. Winning is what we do. Come on, it's what we do, man, it's what we do. We're supposed to be winning in every circumstance. That's why when you hear these testimonies, what is it a testimony of? Victory! We don't want to hear, oh, you know, God's just doing this, this, the other, and I still haven't seen nothing yet. Sit down, shut up, nobody wants to listen to that. Does anybody want to listen to that? No, no, I didn't think so. Make sure I was in the right place. So what are we? We are people of victory. So what it's going to take you and I, God sees you as an overcomer. He sees you as the one with victory. Now, just because God has made you as the overcomer does not mean that you're overcoming. So now we have to learn how to be victorious. We have to learn how to think. We have to learn how to talk. We have to learn how to act as victorious people. Did you know that there's a certain way that winners talk? There's a certain way that winners think. There's a certain way that winners do life. They do life differently from losers, right? You seeing that? I mean, my my background again is from the sporting realm. I played a ton of sports growing up and I'm thankful for that. And one of the things that we had on on my soccer team is we were a very good team. We had won provincials numerous years, went to nationals, traveled North America quite quite frequently with that team. And uh, I remember these a few times that we would walk onto the field and the other team would show up. And you could tell when they walked on the field, and we, you know, as you know, we shake hands before the game starts, and uh, just after that's done, they, you know, while you're doing the handshake, they say, just take it easy on us. The moment they said that, it's like, oh, game on. We're going to rip you guys apart. And there'd be game 17 nothing. and coach never said, oh, let's just tone it down a little bit. Let's just, you know, let's then get them have one. Maybe just put a cap on 15. No, we play until they're demolished. There's games that are 17, 18, 19, nothing. Okay, that's, that's the end of that. And you just walk off. There's a certain mentality. When you walk onto the field, you no, know, you know, just take it a little bit easy on me. Listen, you have an enemy that's out there looking to steal, kill, and to destroy, but it's time that we be on the offense, no longer on the defense. You know, Jeff, just, if you could not do this anymore, it'd be just so great. If you could, please, 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 please. No, 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 no. That's not how it works anymore. I'm on the offense. He's going to be peeing his pants when he sees me coming. That's how it ought to be. You are the victor. Nowhere on here, do you see that? Just try to make it through. Let's see if you can just hold on as Christians. Hold on. No, it says those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, they win in this evil world. That's who we are. Amen? Here we go. Giddy up. Okay, now we can get going. But what we want to talk about is now... Just because God, as they said, God sees you as the overcomer, you may, may not be overcoming. So we need to learn how to use the tool that God gave us to overcome. Right? That's all that it is. So you've been given the tool to overcome, and that is faith. So go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 for a moment. And just to quickly illustrate this, I want everybody just to pretend this Impact Life Church balloon is God, just for a, purposes wise, just for illustration. But at this verse, it says this, for I say through the grace given unto me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Notice what it says, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what happened to you the moment that you did that? Yeah, you got saved. Right? We talked about that Colossians 1, 13 and 14. You were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you were put into the kingdom of God's dear son. Not only did God do all that, but then he said, I'm going to give you now the tool for victory. It belongs to you because you're my child. None of my kids should lose in anything. Do you think God wants loser kids? No. He made victorious kids. That's why you and I are here. It was Jesus. Did he lose in anything that he did? Not a single time. So Jesus is, again, not only an example for us, he's an example of us. When you see Jesus as he is, so am I in this world. So how Jesus operated, how he responded, how he acted on this earth is the exact representation of how I'm supposed to be living on this earth. So now I've been dealt, to, God says God has dealt to each one the measure of his faith. So now the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now from God he gave you, I'm just going to throw a balloon at you there, sir. He gave you a measure. Oh, it's your measure. You've got to hold on to that. That belongs to you. He gave you a measure of faith. Now, here it is. Everybody say, I got a measure. Okay, and where did it come from? It came right from God, and he gave it to me. Now, I'm just going to put this down. This faith, this measure belongs to me. Now, what is my job with it? It's my job to care for it. It's my job to inflate it. My job is to grow it, to expand it, to enlarge it. It's totally up to you what you do with your measure. It's up to you. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but I want my measure big. So would you want just you can you can blow yours up or you can hang on to it? It's your measure. Do as you please. <laughs> but that's how God is. So a lot of time we're thinking, God, why am I not seeing any of these things happening? He's looking for where's your measure? This is, this is the victory. This is the tool that you have. According to God, he already sees you like this. But you and I, we have to use it. We have to work it. We have to exercise it, develop it, so that it gets to that place. That's our part. Now, that's for another message. That's for another time. But I just wanted you to really see that this measure belongs to you and I, and it's for You. Nobody can take it from me. Nobody can rip it away out of my hands. The devil himself can't take this victory, the victory tool that God given me. It's mine. It belongs to me. So if I want to blow it up, it is totally up to me if I want that. And according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, I'm going to just deflate it. I don't want you to think that I'm deflating in any kind of way, but that's just for you to see it. Now, this faith that God gave us is not for us to have faith in ourselves. The faith that God gave us is not for us to have faith in the high thought or what Facebook, what this so-and-so said, what this individual said. This faith that God gave us is for us to take this faith and to put it right back into Him because this is the victory that overcomes the world because God is a victorious one. So I just want you to see because a lot of times people have so much faith in if I can just pray more, then I'll see it happen. That is faith, not in God, it's faith in your works. Oh, if I just, you know, if I show up to church every single Saturday and Sunday morning, then I'll start seeing my answers. That is faith in your works, not faith in God. And this faith that God gave you is to have your faith in Him. Not in anything else. It's in Him. Right? And that's what I want to just talk about a little bit here. And um, we'll, we'll get started. So, faith in who? Faith in God. So, Mark 11, verse 22. It says this. Jesus' words. And they're read on my Bible. It says, Jesus said to his disciples. Now, how many of you are disciples of Jesus? So he's saying this to you or I. Have faith in God. Let's say it together. Have faith in God. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what happens in life, what am I supposed to do? Have faith in God. This is the foundation for your Christian living right here in these four words. These words can change your life forever when you have faith in God. I really want that to sink in, that you start seeing it. It's not faith in somebody. It's not faith in what the church can do. It is faith in God. That's the only one that will never disappoint you. Jesus said, or sorry, Romans chapter 10 verse, I think 4, it says, that whoever puts their trust in him will never be disappointed. People will disappoint you. Organizations will disappoint you. But there is someone who will never disappoint you, and his name is Jesus. You put your confidence in him, he cannot fail you. And that's what I want to share a little bit of this morning, is taking the time, it's faith in someone. My faith, we're not just talking about faith again as a denomination. Oh, this is just a branch that I grew up in. Or this is just what, you know, us word of faith people do. That's not what it is. It's not a denomination. It's not just a brand. This is what we all do. This is what word of faith people do. This is how, if you are a Christian, the just are supposed to live by faith. So he says, have faith in God. Done. That's it. There's no arguments. No questions about it. Have faith in God. So it is in somebody. Now we have to understand, you know, this is the way the Lord said it to me. Faith in God is simply having faith in His character. Joel, you're not, yeah, I have faith in Him, but what am I having faith about Him in? In who He is. It's in His character. The same way husbands and wives, they know each other. I have trust my wife. She trusts me. What about it that she trusts in me? She trusts my character. Right? Can anybody, it's, can anybody agree to that? Okay. What else do we have? When I say something, she trusts me to do it. Right? Go ahead. You know what, sweetie? Sleep a little bit longer. You were up a lot during the night. Why don't you sleep till late? I'm going to make sure she gets that. It, it's all part of the character side of it. She trusts me. I trust her. That's how this relationship with God is. He says, have faith in God. So the first thing that I want you to see is that God cannot lie. He can't. Numbers 23, 19, it says it this way. <laughs> I love this verse. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. And you may have heard these verses. Let me encourage you, as, act as if you've never heard them before. Because your entire existence depends on this verse right here. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Let me ask you that as a question. Has God ever spoken to you and failed to act on it? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. Why? Because it's impossible for God to lie. Next verse I want you to see. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. It says this, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible. Say it with me. Impossible. It is impossible. You know, to put the word impossible beside God is just actually weird because we know in Matthew's gospel it says a few times that with God all things are what? possible. But now you take the creator of the universe, Jehovah himself, and there's something that actually he can't do? That's something. It says this God it is impossible for him to lie. What does that mean? He doesn't know how. He can't. It's impossible. He can't he hasn't figured it out yet in all these years. He doesn't know how to lie. Now, that's good news for you and I. Why? Because the moment, if God were ever to say one lie, first of all, what would it do to your faith? Kill it completely. The same way in a natural relationship. Somebody lies to you, what happens to that relationship? Trust is gone, right? And now to rebuild that takes a long time to get that trust back up there again. Well, the same way, not only if if God said, told a lie, it would wreck our faith. Beyond that, if God were ever to say a lie, he himself, you and I, this galaxy, this universe that we're part of, would cease to exist. Why? Because we are here because of the word of his power. He's holding this whole earth together by his word. So the moment he made one false, you know, one little slip up, in any area, this world would be destroyed and you yourself would... the scenario, you wouldn't even you would cease to exist, and God Himself would not be God. So God cannot lie. Why is this so vital for us to know? And if you read in verse nineteen, it actually says, "Knowing this, that God cannot lie," it's an anchor for our soul. It's the anchor for our souls. It gives us. It makes you and I be able to live a stable life when we know that God cannot lie. That when he says something, he has to do it. When he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. Why? Because he can't lie. Are you seeing this? Oh man, it's awesome. Okay, next thing I want you to notice, along with him not lying, so what does that mean? If God is impossible for him to lie, it means that God is faithful. Everybody say he's faithful. Now again, we know this, but I want you to see him for who he really is. God is a faithful God. And in Hebrews eleven eleven, I don't know if I have it on the... The Amplified or what is it up there? The Passion. There it is. All right. It says Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle, miracle power, to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing for the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. Let me just read it to you from um, a different translation here. I think I have it in the... New Living. It says, it was by faith that when Sarah was able to conceive a child, though she was barren and was too old, she believed and counted him faithful that he would keep his promise. Now, I like the way that the Passion brings it out. What did it do? Just, you see this kind of a cool flow, This how this relationship works. God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah. What did he say? Going to have a baby. God told him that when Abraham was 75 years old. Right now, 20, move 25 years. 25 years later, right? Same thing. Four years later. 25 years later. Don't put time limits on things. 25 years later, God appears to them and says again, "You are a father of many nations." And we're going to get into Abraham and Sarah later as we go into this because they are the father of faith. That's who he is. Now notice that he made that promise, ab or Sarah. It says, because she heard that promise, she counted him, God, faithful to do what he said he would do. And at that moment, she counted him faithful. What came to her? She received the power to conceive. Well, how did it all begin? God made a promise. God threw out a big matzo ball. Here it is. Poof. You're going, to be a, you're going to be a mother. You're going to be a father. You're going to have a multitude of children. He threw it out there. So what is he looking for? Someone who will count him faithful to do what he says. She laid hold of that Lord. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Even though I'm 90, I'm going to have this baby. What happened? She received power to conceive because she reached out and said, I, tr- I count you as faithful. And notice what she did at the bottom. She just tapped into his faithfulness. That's what she did. She tapped into his faithfulness. This is what you said? I believe it. I'm taking it. It belongs to me. I trust you, God. Romans chapter 4, and I want you to show Abraham's side. 4 verse 21, it says, this is Abraham's talk. Abraham was, what? Fully convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. Not partially, not 80%, not 99%. He was 100% convinced that God is able. Everybody say God is able. He is able to do what? Whatever he wants promises he's faithful to do it i count him faithful and at that point of contact when he said god i see you are able to do whatever you promised abraham received power to have a baby you see how this flow works this is all that it is so he is looking for someone who will just simply believe him that's all that he's looking for so god being faithful i want to just give you a couple of scriptures for this in the hebrew the word faithful is the word amon Amon! Oh, Anybody ever say that before? Aman. Oh, Aman. Oh, okay. Anyway, and that word Amon the, gives the four Hebrew words to kind of present this word Amon, and it's the word permanent, firm, changeless, and loyal love. This is what it, God, when you hear it in the Old Testament, most of the time, when you're in the Old Testament, and you see the word faithful come up, I want you to think God is permanent, He is firm, not meaning meaning I'm firm to what I say. That's it. Firm, he is changeless, and he is loyal love. He's loyal to you. Now, aren't you grateful that we serve a God who cuts covenant with us, not just a contract? God is a covenant-making God. Don't ever forget that. No matter how badly you may have screwed up, God does not break his covenant with you. Covenant is a lot higher than a contract because if God was in contract with us, man, we would be screwed many times over. Constantly divorced. God is not going to divorce you ever. That is never in his radar where he's going to look at you and go, it's time that we need to separate. I'm, I'm actually done with the way you're behaving. He will never do that because he cut a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus. And he will never, ever, ever change that because of anything stupid that you do. So this is, what is this? This faithfulness. I trust His character. Now here's a few verses for you. Psalm 86, verse 15. <clears throat> In the Passion, it says, But Lord, your nurturing love is tender and gentle. You are slow to get angry, yet so swift to do what? Oh, I'm glad you're excited about that. <laughs> you are what? You are swift to show your faithful, You're permanent your reliable, your loyal love, your firmness, your changeless your changeless love towards me, and you are full of abounding grace and truth. God, this is who you are. Now, let me just encourage you, if you're not fully persuaded in some things in your life, if you're kind of unsure a little bit about God, let me encourage you, spend some time meditating on these verses. Think on them. Remember them. Spend time in them. Psalm 119, verse 30, or 90, it says this, Your faithfulness flows From one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. So you may have seen, man, God did some amazing things in the previous generations. I mean, I know for myself, I did a lot of study and research on, you know, the Azusa Street movement. And you hear of all the wonderful things that the old timers did and the miracles that came out. Has God changed? So where are the miracles today? God's the exact same. What is he looking for? Someone who will believe him. Listen, when you start believing God, it'll cause you to do some crazy things. Like a gentleman that I really start to reading after, Smith Wigglesworth. I really enjoy reading after him. One of the things that he did, anytime somebody would come into his healing line, if they had a a cancerous tumor, if they had whatever going on in their body, he would punch it. He would just come up there and he would just rock it. And people, of course, you you know, it's got the cynics. Why would he have to do that? And then he answered his cynics, and I'm glad that he did. And he said, you know what, I'm not hitting the person. I'm hating the disease because I hate disease. You have to get to the place again, as we talked last week, that you actually hate everything the devil's a part of. I hate sickness. I hate it. Because if you tolerate it, yeah, it's going to come and hang around you a little bit. But when you start hating the thing, it's got no place in you. And I just love that every time that somebody would line up, you know, people kind of, if you need healing in your body, come on up. Uh, Maybe I'll just hang on to it. Are you kidding me? Punch me. He would just rock them and pow and just smoke them in the face if he had to. People would fall out. Not because of the punch. (laughs) You actually read it. I got a ton of books. You actually read it. And people would come up afterward and say, it wasn't because of the punch. The power of God came and you'd see gross on the side after he punched it. What is it? It is God. I trust you that when I lay hands on the sick, however way that the Lord leads me, what happens the sick get healed every single time. It's just this trust. I believe that. I remember being in meetings constantly growing up as a kid, especially I had the opportunity to go see a couple of Brother Hagin things back in the day. And for those of you who don't know, Kenneth E. Hagin was the Bible school leader that my parents went to and just a phenomenal ministry, great testimony. I'd see some of his meetings and he would actually just go and he would slap people. And as a kid, I'm like, Yes, it's allowed! Javen, get over here! Yeah. You... <laughs> so me and Javen on a few times we would play church how do you play church i lay hands on him. pow be healed just fall to the ground it's awesome and even to this day i mean my, my little boys they do that papa can you lay hands on me absolutely i can and especially we had a rough morning come here boy i'm gonna just pow and we just anyways too much detail <laughs> where was i god is faithful yeah Thank you for putting it on the screen. God is faithful. (laughs) You know, in Psalm 37, 3, it says, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Then he says, feasting on his faithfulness. You have to feast on the faithfulness of God. What does that mean? I want every time you wake up, and this is one thing I, Pastor Sheila, I just so encouraged when she said this. Uh, We were at a prayer just on Tuesday afternoons. We pray from 12 to 1 for the church family. And uh, we were just talking about just activating the presence of God. And you know, one thing that i have wanting to really develop in my own life is it doesn't take me forever to get into the presence of God. Because you see some people, okay, they start coming around an hour and a half after service. Okay, yeah, now I'm ready to go. It's a little late. I want to tap into it right off the get-go. And so one of the ways that you can do that is start to feed on His faithfulness. What does that mean? Rather than waking up going, oh, mine is 17 again. Why, why can't this place ever warm up? Rather than doing all that, I can just go, Lord, I want to thank you that I live in Canada. And you just start fe- What is it you're feasting on what he's done in your life? Thank you, Lord. I am not going to hell. That should make you throw a whole party, man, just right there. I ain't g- I'm not going there. Never even have, this is for us believers, for those Christians, guess what? This is as rough as it gets for us. <laughs> Man, this is, this is it. Is it that, is it really that bad compared to what you're going to? Oh, doesn't even compute. But you can just start feeding, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my wonderful wife who loves you. Thank you for my children that are strong and healthy, vibrant. Lord, thank you for that. You just start doing that. You know what happens when thankfulness sets in? The presence of God. That's how you enter his gates. And you start to experience it in a lot quicker measure. And the more that you feast on it, guess what? The quicker you access the presence of God. The quicker it is. Because when you wake up, oh, God, why is it taking so long? I what's going on with this. You can just forget about it. right? God doesn't want to hang around that either. Hello. We kind of think, oh, no, God's okay with that. Are you okay with that? Somebody coming into your office and, oh, why is this? Everything's going go, I, I got to go, man. This is like, I'm done. I got to go. Anywho, again, why we have pastoral care teams. <laughs> in the New Testament, the word faithful is the word pistis. Everybody say pistis. So every time you hear this word faithful in the, in the New Testament, the Greek word is pistis, you get this word trustworthy, loyal, consistent, and reliable. So if we can just say it like this, God is permanent, God is firm, God is changeless, He is loyal love, He is trustworthy, He is consistent, and He is reliable. You can count on Him. You can count on Him every single time. And you know, First 1 Corinthians 1, nine, it just says, God is faithful. And that's where you get this word that we just read out. He's trustworthy and he's reliable to do what he says. The next verse I want you to see is Hebrews 10, verse 23. It says this, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? He's reliable, he's trustworthy and faithful to his word. I mean, if you really just stopped and thought about it, it says in the Bible that God is watching over His Word to perform it. He, he, this is what He does. He sits in the head. He's waiting for someone who will activate it so He can perform it in your life. I, I really want you to get the picture God is not doing this. Oh, it's, it's taken a long time for you to, you know, smarten up here. No, he is like this. Come on. Somebody believe me. I want to get it to you. Come, come on. Let me get it at you. Let me, let me get it at you. I want to provide it for you. Let me help you. And that's why he gave us this tool called faith. So again, what is God looking for? He is looking for, as we read in Romans 4.21, someone who is fully convinced. When do you get to that place that God is fully convinced in your life? Is when you believe that God cannot lie and when you believe that he is faithful. So if you're wondering, if you're going, how come I'm not seeing it in my life? Let me just ask you this question. Are you fully convinced? And a Christian says, well, of course I am. Well, it's either you're a liar or God's a liar. Because God says that he will move on anybody's life the moment that they are fully convinced. So, how come I'm not seeing it in my life? What's going on? The question may need to be, you need to ask is, am I actually fully convinced? Because if I'm not, well, we're going to see it right here. I can't receive anything from the Lord. Can you, can you see this? Okay, I want you to go to James chapter 1. But once I count him faithful to do what he says, I will go to him, and not as the last resort. How I many of you go, oh man, it's I'm facing this situation, facing this problem. Oh man, I guess I should pray about it. It's Come to that now. A lot of times, sadly, people go to God on the last resort after they can't get answers from people close around them. They can't answer, I can't pick up more hours or my boss can't help me with this. What happens? Okay, God, I guess I'll show up to you. But when you are fully convinced that God cannot lie, that he's faithful to do what he says, you will run to him first. And this is what we need even in our marriages. I know for myself, one of the things that I need to develop and work on is the moment that there is a situation or a problem that all of a sudden arises in my life that I don't just go to her first and go, oh, Jay, you're not going to believe. I go, and then put all that dump truck on her and said, I'm going to go to the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm dealing with and allow him to work with me first. And then I can approach her on it. It would just solve a lot of issues. Because all of a sudden what happens is I bring it up to her. She says something I don't like. Well, then I have to say something she doesn't like. And before you know it, you're in this tussle. And it's not even about us. It's about something else. And you go, what is going on here? It's because we're both frustrated. So rather than going to God first, and now he's the last resort. Okay, I guess I better go to you, God, and find out. No, stop, man. I'm fully convinced that he is faithful. I'm fully convinced that he's willing to get things to me. So I'm going to approach him first. You say that first. Any situation in life, He is first. I gotta go to Him if I believe He's got all the answers. I mean, if you think about it, God has them. He knows them. Rather than even spending time in my brain, okay, I gotta, I'm looking for it in my brain. I mean, there's not a whole lot of files in my brain, so I'm just one, two, three, four, five. Okay, nothing in there. Okay, God, now I need some help. But listen, you're. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard? <laughs> That's not Christian. You. <laughs> Good thing you're cute, right. but you spend all that time there. Listen, the answer is not there. So many times we're looking for answers from God for answers for situations. God's got them. So let me show you how we approach this. James chapter one and verse f- uh, five. I have it on the Amplified. It says this: If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, do you guys have it on the New Amplified? Yeah, there it is. Thank you so much, Sierra. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, and I know it says wisdom there, but you could literally throw anything. If any of you lack anything. Can you say anything? Anything. If any of you lack anything, he is to ask our benevolent God. Now notice, this is who our God is. What does he do? He gives to everyone. How? generously and without rebuke or blame and notice what it says and it will be given to him okay don't go to the next verse yet can i want you just to go back there for a sec can you see this though if any of you lack anything where are you supposed to go go to him and what will he do he will give generously do you see god that way what do you need in your life what do you need in your family what do you need personally in your body Go to him and he will give it to you generously. And I love this part without rebuke or blame, meaning why don't you already have this? Or why couldn't you figure this out? What's wrong with you? God doesn't do that. He's not going, you should have known that you should should have figured that out. No, he is just going to give generously because again, who is our God? He is a God of all grace. He is so kind. He is so lovely. This is who he is. He is not an angry God. Maybe that's sometimes why people don't even go to him. They think he's mad. He's mad at you. He's not mad. He will give to you generously. But then look at the next verse, verse six. But everybody say, but. So we know we see this. God will give it to you generously, right? But he must ask for wisdom or whatever it is. How? In faith. Everybody say, in faith. Why? Because without doubting, God's willingness to help for the one who doubts. What is he like? He is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. You see that? So what happens? All of a sudden they come to church and they get a word and they go, man, that's delicious. That's what I'm talking about. That's the word I've been looking for. Anybody ever seen one of those? And I told you about a friend of mine that told me one of the craziest things they ever heard in the sermon. Let the wild hog eat. Right? That was, that was in the south. That was in, uh, that was in the Arkansas area. Let the wild hog eat. I haven't heard anybody say that yet. So when you get let the wild hog eat, then we know we had church today. Right? So they get excited. They get all pumped up. And all of a sudden, they go the next day and news hits them. What happens? Oh, are you kidding me? This This is what's happening now. And what's going on? This is what this person says about it. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? And meanwhile, they're here. They're there, they're here, they're there, they're all over the map and they're trying to get an answer from God. I believe this over here. Yeah, this is so good. Oh, Facebook says this. Let me go check that out. Yeah, that is so good. What does that person say? Oh, Pastor Lori, what do you think? Oh, that's what she says. That's amazing. And then you come to church and find out it's a little different. You go, oh, that's so good. You are all over the map. All different answers to one problem. And we're trying to figure it out. Look at the next verse. Let not that person think he will receive anything from the Lord. We're going, God, why why am I not seeing these answers? You are all over the map. You're here. You're there. You're underwear. You're everywhere. (laughs) Just had to throw a little rap in there. (laughs) You're all over this and you're asking God, why am I not seeing answers? There's no stableness in your life. What is, again, the stableness for our soul? God cannot lie. God is faithful. That is the anchor for my soul, right? And let's finish at verse (coughs) 8. Excuse me. It says, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Let me just go back to to verse 7. Let's read this in full. It says, for such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable. Everybody say the word unstable. This is not who we ought to be. When you are completely confident in who God is and who he said that he is, what does it do? It makes you stable. So if you're finding yourself not very stable, that you're kind of all over the map. And what is this person saying? Oh, I don't know what's going on over here. This is how I feel this morning. This is what this person said to me. If you're feeling like that, let me just encourage you. you got to get back to the Word of God. And this is why we're talking about roots. we got to get rooted in what the Word of God says so that we get fixed on something. Your life is not designed to be up and down and all over. I want to live a very stable life. So if you're finding yourself not stable, don't raise your hand. It's okay. We've all been there. I'm still working on this in my own personal life to make sure that I am consistent every single day of the week, that no matter what happens, what circumstance hits me, I am consistent. I am the same. I do not change because I have Jesus in me. What He says is going to work. What He says will come to pass in my life. And I only get that is when I am fully persuaded, fully convinced that God, whatever He said Will come to pass in my life. Kind of just like what Ken said earlier too. He just knew it. Anybody ever just know something? Right? I just, I just knew this was four years even prior to anything actually happening. How does that take place? I just, I know it. I just, I know it's going to take place. What happened? You spent time in the word of God. And you allowed the word of God to penetrate on the inside of you. Belongs to me. Now what do I do? Lord, I believe that. I hold fast to what you said. That is true in my life. I take it. Because listen, unstableness is is really what's killing a lot of the Christian world. They're wondering, why am I not seeing things in life? Why why is this happening to me? Why is that happening? You're not stable. That's what it is. And it's not God's fault. God, according to God, He has made you a world overcomer. Why am I not overcoming? Because you actually don't trust Him. Mm. I don't mean that to be a harsh way. That's just the flat truth of what the Word says. I don't want to beat around the bush on this stuff because life and death are right here. Do you count Him trustful, reliable, true to His Word? And it's easy to say yes. Oh yeah, that's true. But when the rubber meets the road, what is the first thing that comes out of your mouth? You know, just go to, with your, in your Bibles, I'm going to close with this. Um, Hebrews... Um, What verse do I have here? Hebrews 10, verse 23. You know, one of the things that I love about even the Apostle Paul, I believe it's in Acts chapter 20. You know, he's meeting the Ephesian church leaders and he's about to go to Rome and we know that he's going to get killed eventually there. And, uh, you know, he's meeting these leaders, he's talking with them and he says, I know that when I go from city to city, the Holy Spirit tells me That there is going to be trials, there's going to be persecutions, there's going to be hard times ahead of me. But he said, none of these things move me. Does anybody want that kind of life? That's what I'm looking for. None of these things move me. Somebody says this about me. Somebody tries to take this away from me. Somebody tries to say this and, you know, wreck something. None of these things move me. I'm going to fulfill what God called me to do. I'm fixed on something. Right now, how, how do you get to that point where you're not all, all over the map? I'm established in what God said. This is what He told me. So I don't care. Thank you for all these things. I mean, I gave the ex- example last week on Saturday night, just Jamie and I even getting pregnant. We, it took us a while to get pregnant. Well, you know, the, this doctor said this, and you know, this doctor had this opinion about it. None of those things moved us because the Word of God promises and says that children are a gift from the Lord. We laid hold of that promise. So what did we do? We laid hold. And stood our ground. And what happened? Babies. And now they just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, it's how it works. We lay hold to what he said. But I want you just to see now. This is, it says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. That's not the right. Oh, yeah, there it is. Sorry. It is the right one. It says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope. Your words will tell on you where you're at. So if you're finding yourself, I'm a little wishy-washy. I'm kind of all over the map. Great. I'm glad you can identify that. That's a great place. Stop. Okay, recognize it. Things are not working in my life. Good recognizing. A plus. Now we need to start going back and start putting our trust in what he said. Because what you're saying is telling on you. What's happening? The first, I mean, how the first response that you give to a situation usually will dictate how the situation is going to go for you. Anything terrible comes into your life, bleep, what the bleep, 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 bleep. That's already an indication of what you believe. Right? I'm glad you're all happy with me this morning. I love y'all. I'm just presenting this because I really want us to be these James chapter one, five through eight Christians who are getting results. This is the name of the game. What powerful testimony when you hear can come up here and say, my daughter had a baby boy on Monday. We've been believing God for years on this and it came to pass. We need these testimonies. Why? Because how do we defeat the evil one? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to hear the goodness of God and what he's doing in people's lives. We need to hear that. So if you got anything, make sure you let us know. We want you to tell off on God. And not only that, The greatest thing that we can do is be a witness for the world. The world needs to see victorious Christians. You know what? I actually, I I believe this all my heart. They're waiting for you. (laughs) You know, Romans chapter 8 talks about the the manifestation of the sons of God. Where are these sons of God? Right here. Come on, is that you? Sons means male and female. I'm a son of God. So what does that mean? I win. What else does that mean? I'm going to tell off on how much I'm winning. You want an all-blessed time? Am? I am so blessed. I got a good wife. My marriage is good. Why do I have to? Why do I have to wait till I'm 80 years old and I get behind the pulpit and I have something to say? No, I got a good marriage now. Not after she hates me for two years and we go through a little bit of this or that. No, she loves me, right, girl? You, yeah. <laughs> hey, or oh, she's taking notes. Yeah, you love me. But I want this to be my testimony now. I don't want my kids to, you know, they finally came back to the Lord after they ventured off for 40 years and were in drugs for all those times. Are you kidding me? Nobody is touching my kids. Why? Because I'm in covenant with God. God says he's got them. I believe it. God, you got them. No matter where they go, no matter what they do. Because listen, the tactic of the enemy is fear. He will throw out everything he possibly can to throw fear darts at you. You and I, we have to have something to respond to what's being said out there they're saying this you know it's easier to get connected in this and gang violence and bullying and porn and drugs and alcohol all oh, this is so easy for kids but you know what else is also easy to get the gospel into kids hands why do we always have to point at the negative do you see all oh, it's so much easier the internet is so easy for anybody to get to so is the gospel that's why we're spending amples of time and even, you know, with the new serial system and all that to get the gospel on our podcast, to get it out into people's lives, to get it, the word out as much as we possibly can. So we're not just coping with what's going on out there, but we're taking it by force and going forward. This is what we're called to do. This is who we are. And this is what Jesus said in first John chapter five, verse four and five. Who is it that overcomes the evil world? Us. Only those that believe that Jesus is the son.